Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. All right, everybody, what is up? And in this studio with me, I've got my dad. Go ahead. I mean, thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. So for those of you that know the show, you know, episode 163 was the one with my dad. We kicked it off for with me as the owner of, of Mental Purpose. We kicked it off with an episode with my dad telling his story. And so where we ended was... Uh, like around the Bob's Big Boy and rolling in college, and that's what we're going to pick up. So throughout these episodes with my dad, which will now be once a month, we're going to just, he's going to tell his life story, and we're all going to learn from, you know, somebody who's been in business for, what, 40 years? Something 40 like plus that. years. Who's counting anymore? Made a ton of mistakes, ton of success, and, and we're all just going to hear and listen to, this, to the stories, and we're going to learn from it and grow together. So you know my promise on this podcast is constant evolution, constant education, empowerment, involvement, so that we are all growing and learning together. To get to that place, wherever it is in your life that you want to get to, we're going to get there together. So we're not going to mess around. Let's just get rocking and rolling. Dad, welcome to the show. <laughs> I am. Thanks for inviting me. It's yeah, great to be back. Yeah. It's uh, been a while. So... Uh, where we left off, I believe it was with Bob's Big Boy. Yep. Um, I had a friend that was uh, working at Bob's Big Boy, and um, actually he got me the job there. And I started out as a dishwasher uh, with uh, the old Hobart machine. If you guys ever uh, work in a restaurant, you know, you run, that, uh, you run the dishes through that automatic dishwasher machine and get to halfway clean. So... Uh, <laughs> They gave me that job, and I think I was making dollar uh, ninety eight an hour. What? That was a lot of money back then. In the sixties, seventies. In the seventies. Yeah, that was a lot of money back. Then. How old were you? Seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, yeah, probably around eighteen. Um, but uh, I had also I was working there on the weekends. I also had enrolled in in um, Towson State is now I think Towson University. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enrolled in college, and so I was working about Big Boys part-time on the weekend, and um, I was working the, uh, the breakfast crowd, if you want to <laughs> call it that, or the church crowd, or whatever you want to call it, uh, and so uh, me and my friend, my friend's name was uh, Greg, and uh, he was a good guy, him and I were washing dishes together, and he would we would uh, get into food fights and, <laughs> and really play around a lot. And uh, that was really the, the only way to uh, kind of make it through <laughs> with, uh, washing dishes for the last eight hours. Yeah. But uh, there is uh, really some, some purpose there. Uh, what it taught me was um, responsibility that you know, I had to be a certain place at a certain time, and uh, if I showed up late, then there were consequences. But uh, what it also taught me is a little bit about business, because um, uh, they would bring the, uh, the trucks to come around back, and, and we'd have to unload the trucks, count everything in, and make sure that everything that was ordered uh, arrived, and, 
and uh, an inventory it, put it away. I'd never done anything like that before. And uh, it was something new, but um, it was a learning experience because then once uh, we got everything counted in inventory, we would uh, report that to the general manager. And we'd go, whoa, whoa, you're missing this, you're missing that. Now you guys got to make a phone call to the warehouse and tell them you didn't get this stuff. Hmm. And uh, that's a responsibility that, uh, you know, that I never had. And, of course, Towson University or Towson State, I had uh, – and old in there uh, as full time, and uh, <laughs> it's majoring in accounting. Yeah. To be honest with you, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> my dad was paying for it, and um, I really kind of uh, spent most of my time at the pool, local pool hall, instead of going to class, <laughs> and uh, that was a. Uh, more uh, playing pool was a major for me than accounting. So, um, well, first, for, for just for people who are wondering why, because I know there's a lot of people out there that think they need to go and get some fancy business degree or something like that. Did, did accounting just didn't match up, didn't align with you? What, what was the deal? Uh, the, the deal was I went with accounting because a friend of mine was doing accounting. Oh, okay. And he was like, cool, this accounting is cool, man. You got to do this. And I'm like, Okay, well, I need, I need a major, right? So I'll do it. And uh, so uh, my father agreed to it. He was, he was footing the bills. And um, I was spending my time at the pool hall. I was making some money there and learning some things about business at the pool hall. Sure. Uh, I was also learning about the street. And um, uh, that's probably a better education than uh, anybody can get in the start of going to college. Fair. But at the end of the semester, um, uh, the report card came out, and my father <laughs> looked at it, and he said, uh, whoa, this does not look good. Maybe accounting's not for you. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know. One more semester, Dad, I think I'll get the, I'll get the hang of it. Yeah. But I really wasn't going, but I didn't tell him that. I didn't want him, I didn't want him to know that. So he gave him one more semester, and uh, the same thing happened. And, um, he said to me, uh, I just don't think this is working out for you. It's definitely not working out for me. <laughs> I'm spending a lot of money here and we're going nowhere. And uh, <clears throat> so my father said, uh, well, I don't think this is, this is for you. I don't want to spend any more money on it. Uh, I'm going to take the rest of that money and I'm going to go out and do something for myself and buy myself a new pickup truck. And I'm like, what? You can't do that to me, Dad. Oh, my God. You promised. He goes, the thing is, Glenn, I promised, but you never held up to your side. It's fair. That's totally fair. That was an awakening right there. I really learned something from that. Well, I want to interject something here because it's something that you told me in college that I, you know, I have some coaching clients that are, that are in college. And... Um, and really, they're more mentee, mentees that just come to me for advice and stuff. And, and uh, one of the things that I tell them is what you told me, which is, I remember I called you from school, and I'm like, Dad, I hate it here. Like, I don't want to be in school. I hate school. Uh, I, don't I remember that here. conversation. And you said to me, look, I'm paying for it, but I'm not going to tell you what my dad told me, which is, you know, you have to hit a certain level for me to keep paying for it. I don't think that's fair. What I'm telling you is that I know you could get straight A's. 
but I'm not expecting that because I want you to have a, a, an education beyond the classroom, which is only a very small part Correct. of a real-world education. College only covers, covers theory. It covers 5% of what you need. And I love that because it took, you know, I watched kids in college work two jobs and not party and not hang out. And all they did was basically at 18, 19 years old, they got into the rat race. They were working to pay bills, to go to school, to work to pay bills, to go to school, to get out to work, to pay bills. You know what I mean? It just was this crazy cycle. And I love that. I, it, was, it didn't let me off the hook, but it taught me that I need to make sure that I was well-balanced and not just focusing all on studies or, you know, and I did fail some classes and I took summer classes like statistics. I hated that course. Really, I just hated the teacher because think about it. I mean, I don't, I'm, I, look, I'm not saying all stats teachers are, are inevitably boring, but this one was, and I just could not sit there for two hours. So I took it at a community college and it was easy and much cheaper, but I also had a very well-rounded education, not in the classroom. You know what I mean? People sure. and experiences and learning things and driving around looking at real estate. It sure. was fun. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, and for those uh, out there that, you know, you're, you're going to college and uh, if it's not for you, if that's not your purpose and you really have to find that out in yourself, then it's not for you. And at that particular time, uh, I didn't, I didn't realize it, but it, it, I wasn't ready for that. It was not for me. Right. And, but my father knew it. <clears throat> and he didn't want to, you know, spend the money. He didn't want to spend the money on something that wasn't really doing me any good or him any good. Right. Uh, the thing with, uh, I'm going to go out and buy myself a, a new pickup truck with your college money. <laughs> that kind of hit me pretty hard. Yeah. Now, but I can understand now. <clears throat> As I get, uh, you know, as I as I got older, I understood what he was talking about. Yeah, um, it's really funny because you're you're always looking at, oh my God, I hope I'll turn like my parents. <laughs> but in a, in a certain way, you do, and uh, <clears throat> it's um, it's uh, you know, it's just a fact of life. Yeah. So that was it for me for for college for a while. And uh, my dad, <clears throat> losing my voice here, my dad said, uh, okay, well, <clears throat> here's what's next. I'm like, what's next? He goes, well, there's no more college money. Um, you're going to have to get a job, uh, and you're going to have to start paying rent here. Yikes. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is our house. Why am I paying rent in my own house? <laughs> He goes, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta help out now. You gotta yeah. help out around here. Uh, you know, you've been living a, a great life here for a long time, and we've really, you know, we've really uh, supported you. But now it's time. Time to fuck up. But what my dad was really saying was, you gotta find out. What yeah. It's really all about. Yeah. So uh, that's when I. Continued to work over Bob's Big Boy washing dishes. <laughs> and there was a few times I thought, that's not so bad. Maybe I could do this for the rest of my life. Maybe this is a, a career for me. But uh, <clears throat> that kind of faded away. But I... Uh, what was your vision at that time? Because I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this and they might be working dead-end jobs and they're saying, 
how did you get out of that? How did you see that or know that you're capable of that or that you weren't just someone that gets caught in that wheel and the cycles that till retirement? Well, here was my vision at that particular time was my purpose wasn't to wash dishes. Uh, my purpose was to move up at Bob's Big Boys. Mm -hmm. That's what I envisioned. And I always looked at the guys that are out there, the, the short order cooks out on, out on the grills, and I thought, I could do that. And they wore the, the chef's hat. And yeah, official. The yeah, they were official, and I'm like, I could do that. And uh, so I continued to wash dishes, and uh, every once in a while would pop into the kitchen uh, if one of the chefs got behind and I would make toast or do whatever they wanted me to do, empty the grease pan or whatever. So you were taking initiative and, and going beyond your duties to try and help somebody that was at a higher level. Yes. Yeah. And I, would, I, I wanted to, at that time, show them that I was interested. Yeah. So that's a key piece in here for, for those of you that are listening and not picking up on that, that curiosity and that, uh, that, that need to know that, that you're paying attention and to, to, to want to help someone in a higher position, that will propel you forward because that person knows they can count on you. Correct. And they're going to be the first one to recommend you for a promotion or for something to move up faster than even the next guy who's technically in line but hasn't shown that initiative or that, that action take. Correct. Like my friend just continued to wash dishes. Right. And, you know, uh, there was like a loudspeaker and the chef and called it back. Can I get some help back here? Can I get some help? And my friend was like, man, we're washing dishes. I mean, let somebody else help them. I'm like, nah, I go help them. Yeah. So I took that initiative to, to go in and do whatever it is they needed done. Yeah. That was a lot of goal work. Put the toast down. Oh, do some French fries. You know, this kind of thing. But I'd never done anything like that before. And I thought, it was fun and new. This is something different than washing an eggy dish. <laughs> so eventually, it got to the point where I was being called in regularly to help these guys out. And we, were, we would work the breakfast. It would, it would, you have to go in at 4 o'clock in the morning. And you have to get all the meat done and get, it, get ready to go. Because uh, open up at 7. Yeah. So... Eventually, they were calling me in to be like a sous chef, hmm. you know, work in a commissary. Moving on. Yeah, cut the lettuce up, do this, do that, bring this up, get me this. And I thought, well, you know, I, this is what I want. It's working out for me. <laughs> that was my purpose at that point in time. So I got to the point where they said, okay, we'll give you a shot on the grill. Hmm. You want to take a shot at the grill? I'm like, yeah, man. I'll take a shot at the grill. They said, it's going to be really fast and it's going to be really busy and you're going to smell like eggs and you're going to smell like sausage and bacon. When bacon, when you go home, you won't want to see another egg. Yeah. I'm like, I'm all right with that. <laughs> but by that time, uh, I had watched and observed so much that I, I knew I could do it. Yeah. And, at that point in time, when I was like 18 or 19, my purpose was, I'm going to be the really good chef. Short order cook. Yeah. That's what they call it, Bob Big Boys. You're not a chef. Right. <clears throat> so they put me on, uh, on, a, on a Saturday morning. And 
I got on the grill, man, and I and and I got hammered. Yeah, hammered. The busiest day. Oh, scrambled this. You know, over easy. Oh, over hard. No, they're not right. No, this isn't. But you know, I, I thought I, I gotta I gotta ride this out because I know I can do it. Right. I just have to ride it out. And uh, but what was in your mind at that point? Were you thinking you're just going to move your way up in Bob's Big Boy, or were you thinking like I know what I I know this is a stepping stone to something else? Did you know that at that time? I felt it was like at that at that point in time I was really interested in uh, restaurant work, okay, restaurant business, and I thought, well, you know what, I could do this, and then maybe I could like be assistant manager, and then maybe I could do. Like general manager and run a whole store. Sure. You know. So I, you, you hadn't expanded your mind as to what was possible yet. You just you were seeing the possibilities of that silo. Yes. Not yes. The world of possibilities out in the world. Correct. Okay, that's cool. Right. I was still in that, that little box. Yeah. That okay, this is my world and how can I make it better for myself? Yeah. And how can I move forward with the purpose that I have? So that's that's where we were at that point in time. What was it that actually helped you get to that next level? You you weren't back in college yet, right? No. Okay. How long did you work at Bob's Big Boy until you you didn't go back to college right away? No. Okay. No. It was night school later on. Yeah, okay. everything was night school. Yeah. And I paid for it. So what was it what was that defining moment or that turning point where you realized I can't stay at Bob's Big Boy. I need to have a bigger vision here. Because I know that there are people listening who think that they're the only ones stuck when all of us have been stuck before. So what was that defining moment where you thought, okay, the world's a lot bigger than Bob's Big Boy. I need to, I need to expand here. Well, I was always inquisitive and I, one day I went down, I went down and talked to the general manager. Him and I got, I got, got kind of friendly. He was um, a uh, Marine. Yeah. And he was, you know, one of those really tough guys and push on, man. Come on, put another burger on it. You can do it. <laughs> you know, I'll be out, you know. Yeah. And so I thought, I just, I want to go down and I want to find out how, how did he do it? How did he get there? And uh, we had some talks and um, he actually opened up a little bit to me. And he said, uh, I said, you know, I'd like to one day, I'd like to one day be like you are, like, like run my own store. And he goes, uh, well, uh, are you going to school or anything? I said, no, nah, it didn't work out for me. He goes, got to get some schooling. Man. At least get a couple of years under your belt. Yeah. Because they're not going to let you run the store without it. Hmm. I can tell you that right now. It's not going to happen for you. And maybe that was like a turning point at that time. Sure. I, I thought about that, and I thought, okay, so if I if I don't get an education, then I'm not going to go any further here. Yeah. So that's when I decided that I would uh, I go back to school, and I went back and said, Dad, <laughs> Dad, guess <Yes>. what? <laughs> I like your brand new truck. He goes, what's going on? I'm like, um, I think I'm ready to go back to school. He goes, that's good. I'll support you. Not financially. Right. I said, well, um, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna need some money because well, money's gone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for you, but you know we had a deal, and you know when you don't hold up to your side, there are consequences. Yeah, and your consequences ain't the money, so you're gonna do it on your own. It's interesting. So I want to back up for people that are listening. It's it was what I'm hearing is that, and kind of something you taught me is if you're not happy with your life. It's not about going and reading a book or going to a course. It's about a mindset of curiosity. And, um, and that mindset will propel you to search for things and open your brain to find things and let the universe kind of deliver to you versus a, okay, I need, I need to get out of here. I'm going to go get an education or I need to get out of here. I want to level up. I need to go read five, five of these business books or whatever. The, there might be a curiosity in the next steps, but there's not a curiosity in knowing what someone at a higher level did. So I think this is a perfect case of you need a mentor, you need a mentor, you need a coach, you need a leader, you need to follow somebody that's at the level that you want to be, whether you're at the bottom or the rung underneath them, you gotta be going to a person and saying, how did you do it? I'm curious, I wanna know, I'm willing to help you. I'll go to the chef and I'll help him crack eggs and, and, do, and fill in. But can I ask you a couple questions after work? And you're trading right. time for their info. Right. And that's huge. That's all I've propelled. That's, I mean, you were that first person for me. And then I learned to just put myself in a position where I needed to be needed by someone at a high level. When I started in real estate, when I started in coaching, I put myself out there and said, I want this and I'm willing to give you this. Are you open? And just that just to say that, like, I was very nervous in the beginning. I remember one of my mentors, I, I, I took a Xanax and drank a couple beers just, just to be able to say and ask him this because I was so afraid of hearing no. And then what happened when he said, and nobody's ever asked me that, that you're crazy enough for me to say yes to. I'm going to work the hell out of you. And I just said, fine, that's great because I know I'm going to go farther faster knowing that I have a mentor and someone that's leading me from a really high level. You know, and that's what our coaching and our front runner business is about is, we're leading you from a really high level. So whether you're level one or level 50, if you want to get to 90, like you just got to go high level. Correct. Yeah. And this, this Marine, uh, I believe at that time, however gruff he was, really told me what reality was. Yeah. And he was my mentor. Uh, at that time, I didn't know it, but something clicked and, um, you know, my brain kind of woke up and, and I began asking myself, what is the probability if I, if I do what this guy's saying? Do I get into Bob's Big Boy Academy or? No. Get some more education. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I'm not stuck at Bob's Big Boy anymore. Yeah. I think that's what he was trying to tell me. I think he was trying to tell me, you have... Uh, unlimited opportunity right but you're keeping yourself in this Bob's big boy box that's sure. that's all you're thinking it's about. a safe box it's a safe bet yeah you can rise up in this and I call it like a silo or it's a column you can rise up in this column all day but it's just a it's a it's not linear it's not a it's not a forward trajectory it's just an upward momentum but not not for the future just for the now right it's just a straight line move right which is fine. 
That like you got to do that to get to the next level, but yeah, see well, the next level. If if that's what you want, yeah, I always say you have to do what makes you happy. Sure. In in the business world, I worked with I've worked with guys that are making outrageous money. Yeah, outrageous money. A lot of my friends were making a lot more money than I was, but <clears throat> when it all boils down, they weren't happy. Right. You can make a million dollars a year and not be happy. What's it worth to you? Nothing. 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 And then on the on the other end spectrum, I have people that have good ideas. I have friends that have good ideas, but they never acted on them. So you got to take action. The old saying is, you know, you can go to your grave saying, "I shoulda." I would have, I could have, but that's not action. And you have to take action. And you have to take chances. You have to get out of that box I was talking about. What, the comfort zone? Yes. If you really want to do something and you have a burning desire to do it, you will find a way to do it. Yeah. But it has to come from the heart. Not the brain. Not the brain. Right. That's a great point. It has to come from the heart. You have to have that burning desire to do. And many people really don't do that. It's just not action. It's just talk. It's interesting because you, um, you mentioned the limitless opportunity. But you don't remember telling me that. Can remember I got the tattoo on my arm, limitless possibility? I got that from you, but you don't remember that. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know me, I have a tattoo on my left arm that says limitless possibilities because the guy on the other mic used to say there's limitless possibilities for you in this world. Your brain and you are the ones that limit those. And so it always stuck with me, and I just decided to get that tattooed because, because I chose it. And it just, it meant a lot to me and it meant, it meant, it was something that I wanted to, I wanted to see every day and be reminded that if there's anything in life limiting me, it's me causing that. It's not society, not the government, not the right. job or this guy or that guy did this or the guy in front of me at Starbucks. It's me. It's my choice and it's my responsibility. And so it's a constant reminder that we all have limitless possibilities. And for those of you right now that are shaking your head, no, I don't. It's you that's limiting it. Like, check yourself. You're limiting you. And whether it's, most of it's in your mindset and skills. Most of it's in your mindset and the fact that you won't go out and get the skills or go out and take that chance or ask that mentor for help or, or to, to, to push yourself out of your comfort zone enough to learn something new to be dangerous or to be profitable or more profitable. And people just settle in. Well, we react to our environment. We're always reacting to our environment. So what we bring in, what we see, our brain reacts to that. And then we get into a what if. What if uh, this doesn't work? What if I can't pay the bills? What if, what if, what if? So as soon as you get into that, that mindset of what if, you are, you are not going to move ahead deadly cycle you do get into a deadly cycle what if what if what if so 
until you can get out of that mindset and and work and think from your heart, not your brain, because what your brain's telling you is what's going on in the environment. Yeah, it's protecting you. Right. This is going on in the environment. Oh my oh my god, my next door neighbor tried this and went out of business. <laughs> you know, now now this is happening. But we have to get out of that what if and that gets you out of that box and it becomes you become purposeful and more creative. And then things begin, the world begins to open up to you. Yeah. It's never failure in my vocabulary. It's never failure. Because life's a journey. Life's a journey along the way. You experience things. Some things work great, some don't. That's life. There's no, there's no port to life. There's no, okay, this is where we're going. You know, like you're taking a trip. This is where we're going. There's no end to that. There's no port. That's a good, that's a good line. There's it's no just, port to life. It's just a journey. It's, it's a journey of life. And what you need to do is you have to really, you have to be in the, in the moment in life. You can't think about, okay, oh my God, what happened to Johnny yesterday? That might happen to me. Or what's going to happen tomorrow? If you occupy yourself with what ifs, you're never going to get out of that box and do what your real purpose is. And some people really never define that. Most people never define that. Most people. Okay, I was trying to be nice. No, there's no nice here. I mean, it's, it's reality. It's not nice or, nice or not. It's reality. Most people think that that job or that group of friends or that hobby is their purpose. And it's unfortunate because if there's something that can be taken away from you, like, you know, like, like there are car guys who are car guys. It's that guy with that car. I'm not talking about anybody specific. I'm just talking because we're, we're in the car guy world. And if that car got repoed or wrecked, you're now not that guy. But you don't know who you are because you were the guy with that car at that show all the time. Here comes the guy with the X car. Here comes that guy. And now you're the guy that used to have the car. Now your identity is, hey, look at my pictures of the car I used to have. I used to be that guy. And you just, the identity can be taken from you. Correct, and that's sort of a materialistic thing. Also, and, same with and, work. And most people, most people live that way. Yeah, same with work, though. Yes. I am, I am, and this. I'm an accountant. Right. I'm a lawyer. Right. That's me. What if that's taken away? Right. Then who you, who are you really? But that's what happens in retirement to most people is they, they've been doing this since they were 15 or 20, yeah. mm -hmm. and now they're in their 60s, and they say, "Shit, I don't, I don't, I don't." I got to go back to work. I got to do something. I got to get, I got to do something, be productive right. every day, but they don't realize that they need to just find who they are. Right. Cause they've never found that. It's always been, I'm the lawyer, I'm the dad, I'm the husband, I'm the, you know, Correct. provider, I'm the this, whatever. But you never said and defined who you are. So what you're really saying is that you're not comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. You have to be comfortable in your own skin. Many, I mean, I am. Many, no, I'm but saying, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm yeah. saying if, you let your position or material things identify you. Right. When that goes away, again, your perception from the outside world is what you're looking at. Yep. 
you don't know who you are. Yeah, and I've been there and you've been there. We're going to talk about it as you continue to, to tell your life story. And like, I, I, um, I, when I, when I left the business, which we'll talk about in more depth, but when I left the business, I had no identity. I didn't know who I was. I, I, I was lost in life without money and without my position. I didn't know who I was. And then very quickly I got into being a top producing real estate agent, but that became my identity. And as, as when my daughter was born, I realized that now I'm a top producing real estate agent, a dad, a husband, a provider, a guy that likes these type of shows, who the hell are you if all that stuff went away? And that became the journey. That became my coaching journey and my life journey, which was, all right, I'm going to find out who I am because I know there's a lot of people out there like me who don't know who they are and they don't want to keep going through this vicious cycle. So I'm going to, I'm going to be a front runner and I'm going to lead this myself. And then I'm going to teach myself how to lead other people through the changes in their lives that they want to make to live the life that they choose and not have to run that cycle forever. And so that's just a quick snippet of that, but that's, that's how, that's how I, I built a coaching business and, and subsequently got involved in front runner or sure. our mastermind in, in event business. Well, it's hard to know who you are. Yeah. It, it's not, there's not like, okay, I'm missing right one sentence. Yeah. You have to really deep, you know, you got to deep, dig deep inside to figure out who you are. Sure. What you can do is figure out who you aren't. Yeah, that's a good idea. Figure out who you're not. And then you're on your way to figuring out who you are. Yeah, I like that. Figure yeah. out who you aren't. So in this, let right. me spin back to... Well, figure out who you're not or who you aren't. Right. Okay. Spin so back to Bob's big boy. Yeah. Are you figuring out that you are not a Bob's big boy lifer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. So I'm figuring out who I'm not. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I did go back to, I did, I did everything in, at night school. Well, when did that happen? That happened in... So you just, you know that this is 78, I guess. Okay. I don't know, 76. I had a little job a long way, but I'm not going to work down. Uh, yeah, I started going to Catonsville Community College at the time. That's what it was called. Yeah, it was a good college. Wait, wait, wait. We don't, don't back up. Is there, are there any lessons in bartending or any of those jobs after Bob's Big Boy? Are there any lessons that you learned there? Because it's all sort of a step. Yeah, up. I wasn't doing it in bartending. What about at um, Martin's? Well, that's later down the road. Oh, got it. Okay. All but right. we, we can talk about it if you like. We can skip to that. No, no, no. Let's go in order. No. Um, I, left, uh, I left Bob's Big Boy, and I, you know, what got me interested in transportation was when those trucks were coming in. I was on yeah. the trucks. And where did it all come from? How does it get here? It's curiosity again. Yeah. What's going on with this? Uh, so. I got a job as a uh, as a shipping clerk. Was this after Bob's Big Boy? Yes. Okay. As a shipping clerk at uh, this was now we're now into the seventies seventy three I think 
it's a long way back, but 72, 73. Um, fact checker can check it. <laughs> <laughs> fact checker will be mom. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, but I, I got a job as a, uh, as a shipping clerk at a company called Flynn and Emmerich, hmm. uh, down in Woodlawn. It was a machine shop. Yeah. Uh, they had a foundry, and at that time there was Western Electric way before a lot of people's time. Right. They were making uh, splice case housings out of cast iron. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. ones that you see splicing the, the wires together on the telephone lines. Oh, yeah. plastic yeah. now, but they used to be cast iron. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got the job of handling all the, all the shipping and receiving at that, um, at that machine shop. And, um, how did they give you that job? I, I, I lied. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick answer. And you can fact check that. So, um, I didn't have any experience. I told them that I was I was in shipping and receiving a box. <laughs> well, technically, technically, you were. I was. If you think about it, but I didn't know how to write a bill. Lane. I didn't know anything like that. Right. All I did was just signing stuff off and checking stuff. <laughs> but they gave me the job anyway, and I I thought, wow, this is a good opportunity for me to you know figure this one out. Right. Uh, well, let me. Let me I, I like that side out. of the business anyway. Let me call something out. This is a, forget about the lying part. This is a fake it till you make it part. This is a learn on the job part. So don't, like, I know, I meet too many people that say, I'll start that business when, I'll do this when, when I get here, three years from now after I learn this, but they're forgetting it's progress over perfection. And so what you're saying there, and I just want to call this out to the audience is, you, you forget about the lying part, who cares? You faked it. You got in, but you had a curiosity mindset, which everybody needs a curiosity mindset. You're curious about how it worked. Then you figured it out while you're on the job. Correct. You didn't want to lose the job. Correct. Which, which severely, exponentially, well, most of you the same thing, but it exponentially gives you growth to your learning, your learning curve. Correct. So instead of a learning curve being over three years, you probably learned in one month what you needed to do is not get fired. Yeah, I almost got fired. Yeah. But I, I learned pretty quickly. I, I really did. I, I started putting stuff together. And I figured out that, well, there wasn't any internet. So no. I would go to the library. I go, <laughs> how to do shipping? How to, <laughs> shipping 101. You know, I look up, how, to, how do you fill out a bill of lading? I did stuff like that on, on my own time to figure it all out. It's curiosity. Yeah. So. Uh, I became really, really efficient at it. I became really good. And it goes back to what my father used to tell me. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. What matters is you're the best at what you do. You're the best at what you do. Meaning, if you're sweeping the floor, be the best floor sweeper. Be the best painter. Be the best welder. Be the best lawyer. And that is a purpose of satisfaction for you. So I did. I, I became, and, and I started really drilling down and getting deeper into the, the business of Flynn and Emmerich. And um, I saw that the things that they were doing before I got there were really 
and efficient in transportation. Yeah. So I put a little program together. When I say program, it's not no, like internet, like young guys, not internet program. <laughs> it's just write it all out program. Right. And uh, I uh, presented it to the general manager, and he was like on fire about it. And so, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. You're doing a great job, man. And uh, <clears throat> Douglas, his name was Douglas, real tall guy. And he was always like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to set the world on fire. I'm doing this. And he was always like, I'm going to be who they said. I'm going to be they said. I'm like, I couldn't get it at first. Yeah. But he goes, Glenn, what you want to be is they said. Say that again? He would tell me, what you want to be always is they said. Got it. In other words, he's saying, I'm, I'm the guy I'm the here. I'm yeah. the authority. Yeah. And the guys down here said, they said that I have to do it this way. They said that it has to be this way. They want it done this way. And <clears throat> that was interesting. That, that, that really struck my curiosity also. And uh, what was interesting in Flint and Emmerich is they came to me and said, we're going to expand awareness. I said, all right, that sounds good. Uh, we're going to add another 30 feet on. It was a long metal building. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those buildings you put up with screws and all that stuff. Yeah. So we're just going to add on. To like a steel building. Yeah. Yeah. And what we want you to do is go into the drafting department and draft that, that uh, addition out hmm. and tell us where you could place all the racks. And the oh, racks. yeah. And I'm like, and warehouse logistics. Yeah. I said, I've never done that before. And Douglas said, so you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And I did it. Yeah. And it worked out. How much did that help your confidence in yourself? Oh, my confidence went through the ceiling. Was there ever a time where you said, like, I, I, I think I'm going to get out of here, where it's pushing you out of your comfort zone too much and you're afraid of failure? You no. know, a lot of people do that. They, no. won't, they won't take that. They won't take that. Uh, they won't ask for that or, or be in a position that, to receive that because they don't want to be put in a position where they can fail miserably. Yeah. Well, what is it? The Peter principle? Mm -hmm. Keep moving up, moving up until you fail. Right. I think that's what it's called. Um, but no, I accepted the challenge. And I think that goes back to when uh, I was 11 years old and my mother died and I said, it's on me, baby. Right. I got to do this. On my own. On my own. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Hmm. And I still say I'll figure it out. So take, take that audience as a, as a note, which is use something from your past. For those of you that don't know what my dad's talking about, go back to episode 163 and listen to that. Mom passed away when you were 11 years old. Correct. And you were on your own. On my own. Something, so there's a formula in landmark education, um, the genesis of identity. And it's something's wrong, right? Or something's not right here. Correct. I'm on my own. I gotta, I gotta, I'll, I'll, I gotta figure this out. And I'll, I'll, let me pull that up, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. But that's what happened to you. And so, for those of you listening, you have to use something from your past to press you and push you. Correct. And yeah, you might, you might form an identity around it. But so it's gen genesis of identity is there's something wrong here. I don't belong. I'm on my own. Correct. And I love that. I love that from Landmark. They put it into some real neat easy box and um, and that's what you said is I'm on my own. 
but you figured out how to figure it out. Right. And that would became your power. Right. That's correct. Because I allowed myself, I allowed myself to open up to those other curiosities. Yeah. Like, okay, he's saying I can do it. Maybe I can do it. Right. Oh, let somebody else see in you what you don't see in yourself. Yeah. He says I can do it, so maybe I can do it. And then flip back to, I'm on my own. So I got to do something. That's where we, you know, that's where we went to with that. I think even though I was young and, it, and none of this is dawning on me at that particular time. Sure. What is in my mind. My mind is saying, just go back, go back. You know what you, you know how to do this. Go back, go back, go back. And I did it. <clears throat> I did that. I've never done a draft in my life. And this is not, this is not CAD. Right. This is paper this and is, rulers and right. compasses. This is that big table I could stand at. And there was an old, uh, old guy in there. Uh, old, oh, they would smoke back then in the office. And all he did was puff on cigars. Puff on cigars. Make your eyes burn. Blow the smoke over to my, uh, my drafting table. And he would laugh. And, but we got along really well. Yeah, he did help me on a couple of things. Sure. Um, I also understood that I didn't want to be a draftsman. Yeah. At that, at that point in time. I didn't want to do that. No. Okay, so that worked out. It worked out really well. I stayed there for a while. And unfortunately, um, Western Electric or the telephone company at that time was a monopoly. They got split up. And that was the end of it. Hmm. Um, the family shut down. So the machine shop went with it. So what happens? Happens. Yep. And then I'm back to. How long were you there? I was there about three years. I, you know, I, it's interesting because I think I know every story that you ever had, but I never knew you worked at that place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, that's something that, that yeah. for those of you that listen to the episode with Meredith and I, my wife, I discover things on the episode because we're sharing. And so let this be another lesson that. Like if you want to learn, you got to share and then that person shares and then you both learn from each other while you're sharing together things that you've been through, lessons that you've learned. That's why we're doing this. Not just to, not just to hear ourselves talk, but to, to, to learn more about Like I thought, I thought I knew every single story that you ever had. Oh, you know, I did not know the, I didn't know the Western Electric. You don't know all of it. <laughs> so what happened after Some you things we're, we're not going to be able to share. It's we'll have a, we'll have an R-rated version of Metal Furnace. Come back next month. We'll have R-rated. Yeah, so that went uh, that went downhill real quick, and uh, you know after the after they started going with the plastic, and uh, so I was out of work, and uh, I went home. I was still at home. I went home and I said, "Well, I got uh, I got laid off." My father said, so <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking, aren't you gonna like feel some pity for me or something? He goes, So what? Going to another job. Did you need that from him at that point? Did you need I, that? I could have used it. Yeah. I could have used like a hug or something. Yeah. But that's not my father or all the tagging guys. You know, they're they're tough guys. Sure. You know, eighth grade education, but he's street smart. Yeah. Very, very smart. <clears throat> Like, go ahead and get another job. Well, hang on. Were you, were you, 
uh, I want to try and find lessons in everything you're saying. Were you afraid to ask for that? Or did you not know? Like, remember I told you that like when, when, when uh, shipping business, you were sh shifting everything and, and shutting parts of it down. Um, remember this when we were, at, when we were on vacation um, for your 65th birthday. We were sitting yeah. at that uh, restaurant in Long Beach. Yeah. And, I, and you and I had never communicated about this, but I said to you, like, I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you because I didn't understand how to talk to you about right. the pain that I was feeling. And I was so afraid of the pain that you were feeling that I was just going to add to it. Right. So at that point, even though you were what, in your 20s, did you know how to ask for what you wanted, especially emotionally, or were you just unavailable? Unavailable. Right. Because so I felt that too, not because of you, but because I just hadn't allowed myself to learn about my emotions and, and all the facets of emotional registration at that point. So most of the time, people just stay away or stay quiet. Yeah, I think at the time I was looking for uh, a reaction, a different reaction from my father. Yeah. Like, oh my God. You're going to be all right. Hey, you're going to be all right. Other than that, you know, I didn't really expect him to say, so what? Go get another job. Yeah. And walk out of the room. That's painful. Yeah. Yeah. So I did. I got another job. But it didn't last long. I was working at, um, I was working at a, a printing company. And this, this is when they were, this is before they went with the, you know what cold type is? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Uh, you certainly know what a linotype machine is. And, and uh, Like typesetting? Typesetting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I know that from the, my tours at Colonial Williamsburg. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, I think it was called Frizzell Williams or Something like that. Anyway, this this the guy that owned it was a pig farmer, uh, and his father had left the business to him. He really didn't want it, but sure. you know there were twenty five printers working there and families, and I'm sure you were, you know, trying to help them. Yeah. But the job they the job they gave me was uh, we want you to work the um, northwest side of, uh, of Washington D.C. Go down and talk to these people, um, and sell this sell this typesetting. Sales, sales with no sales experience. Well, no, I told them I had sales. Experience. Oh, okay. Fake it till you make it. Right. <laughs> so I said, uh, "Yeah, not a problem." Uh, so he gave me a car. Cool. Gave me a car and gave me a map. No GPS at that time, buddy. No, it's how you taught me how to drive a truck, right? Map. They gave me a map and said, all right, here they all are, go down, you know. Uh, this guy, you know, they need typesetting for textbooks, they need typesetting for this and for this and this. And so <clears throat> that's what I did. Just cold called on Just people? Went in. It's so, it, it's just so, uh, bizarre to think about that like door knocking today and I know it's prevalent in the real estate world but door knocking for a business is just like how do you do how do you do that I just was never like I was never like that I mean it wasn't I, it wasn't pretty no no but I did get them business um, I got a lot of no's obviously and a lot of people like get the F out of here right <laughs> but I did get them business and um, 
uh, I learned a lot about Washington D.C. Getting lost. At least you were in Northwest. Yeah, you know, in, in, a, yeah. Pretty, in a pretty nice area, Washington D.C. Yeah. Well, some uh, some of the areas weren't so great. Sure. Like uh, I pulled up one day to uh, a, a company and I got out of the car and this lady's beating her husband in the barn. Nice. Like, <laughs> Do I want to be here? No. No. But I, you know, I I learned I learned a lot out of that business. I learned about business, and I started learning how to sell. Um, uh, you know what to what to do and what not to do. What, what were some of the big takeaways from that first cold sales job? Well, the first thing was call the people before you walk in there. Yeah, yeah. Call them. Right. They didn't tell me that. I'm gonna be stopping by. Right. Yeah. Right. It makes sense, right? But I, no, I said I sold before, so they they thought I just automatically knew that. I learned that and persistence. Yeah. And truthfulness. Hmm. Be true. Be true. Be honest or true to yourself or what? Be true to yourself. Be true to the customer. Be honest to yourself. Be honest to the customer. Build a bond through honesty and truthfulness. Hmm. It's interesting. And find what they need. What they need. Yeah, and fix what they need fixed. And we'll get more into that with the, with yeah. the beginning of the shipping business. Yeah. We'll get we'll get into that yeah. at another time. So, but then, so then, what what was the what was the next phase of? How long did it last at that place? Uh, about a year. That's not bad. No, it got sold. So, oh. how old were you at this point? It was like mid seventies. Yeah. Okay. My. Uh, well, I went back home and told my father, I got laid off again. He goes, so, get another job. Right. Where's my 20 bucks for rent? I'm like, shit. Yeah, can't do it. And at the time, if you filed for unemployment, you couldn't file a computer to file. Right. So you had to go to Dolphin Street. Oh, yeah. And stand in line. Yeah. And sit there and wait for you and let me call. This DLLR building? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. But then I went down there and there was like a line, and I'm like, nah, that's, that's not me. <laughs> so, at the time, I was dating a girl, a nice lady. And uh, not my mom. Oh, yeah. Not your mom. No, there a lot more, a lot more work for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I said, you know, I, I lost my job. And she goes, well, God, don't tell my mother. I'm like, well, she goes, I'm not allowed to date anybody to have a job. Yeah, she motivated you. I'm like, oh, my God. So anyway, she goes, I'm telling my mother anyway. I got a phone call. My mom wants to talk to you. I'm, like, I'm not married to your mother. I'm not even married to you. Right, what the hell? She has a job for you. I'm like, a job? What kind of job? I shall talk to you when you get here. See, this is a story that I picture in my head. Before you tell it, I want to tell you what it, how, I, how it occurs for me. You're like, you walk up these dark apartment stairs, and you, pat, you, you know, bang on this door, and the door opens, and the lady looks and goes, oh, you're the loser. 
right, check this out. You want to date my daughter? Here's what you need to do. Other than that, get out. I, I, that's how I picture it, to motivate you. Because back then, you were a, a defiant guy. Yes. Right? And, and you were, you were, there wasn't many people telling you what you could and couldn't do. Correct. You would just say F off or no, right. just to be that guy. Or if you tell my kids, don't let do it anyway. Right, right. Which was, which we said, we share that similarity. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, I, I curved it a lot younger, I think. I think. I think you did. Yeah. No, I'm still pretty defiant, but I think I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm educated there, defiant. There were some things I would tell you, and you did it anyway, and then you had consequences. Yeah, we'll talk about that later on in another episode, too. Probably the CO6 story is probably the best. <laughs> we'll tell that later. But so tell, tell a story of when you, uh, like when you met this lady. Yes, this is a uh, turning point. This is a yeah. big, this is a big, this part, is, this is a big this, turning point. This is a big turning point in my life, yeah. believe it or not. Believe it or not, this is what, what propelled me into where I am today. So I, you know, I, drove, I drive over there. And, um, it wasn't a dark apartment. They had a really nice house. Uh, her her uh, father was a pharmacist. So they had money. Yeah. And I go in, I forget her name. I go in and she goes, you know, when well, you want something to drink, you're really Yeah. Like, Not at all, like I see it in my mind. Right. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so when are the claws going to come out? Right. So she sat down and she said, so you're not working. I said, no. I, I was working for a company and, and, and they got sold. She goes, well, I got a job for you. On Monday, I think this was like Thursday, Friday. On Monday, you have enough. I made an appointment for you to go at, down and, and talk to the owner of this business, um, uh, who I've worked for for many, many years until I got married. And uh, they're interested in talking to you. I said, well, I do sales. She goes, well, that's right. That's fine. No. I said, well, what kind of business is it? She goes, it's a custom house broker. I said, oh, I'm going to be selling custom houses. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, who would? Right. I'm like, what? Who would know that? Right. And she goes, no, not custom houses. It's a custom house broker. Import. Customs house. Like right. the one downtown. Like the customs. Yeah. Like U.S. customs. You want to be working for that. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's the governing body of all importations into the country, right? Just Correct. Is, that's like the easy Correct. way to tell you about it. They govern everything: our tariffs, our duties, our taxes, anything that's coming in uh, into this country. This customs, well, they do exports too. Yeah, they do yeah. exports, and they oversee. They're the governing body on on yes. trade in this country. Correct. Yeah. So uh, I'm like, well, I have a job, so and I like this girl, and I, I don't want to really get thrown out here. So <laughs> I said, I'll do it. She goes, Yeah, the suit. I said, No, I'm not suit. I said, I, I never, I've never had a suit. She goes, Where are you getting one? And we go out, I get fitted for a suit. She buys me a suit. Nice. Gets you got to call that lady. Yeah, it gives me a haircut and blah, 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 blah. No, nah, it's not a good idea because we didn't, I didn't part well with her. Uh, <clears throat> but she really believed in you. So, like, wh why do you think that was? Because remember, there are always people that believe in us when we don't think they should or we miss it. Why, did, why the hell? I mean, it wasn't just a date or daughter. She had to see something in you. 
Maybe she did. She had to have. She wasn't going to put her ass on the line. Or her daughter said, Mom, I really like this guy. you got to get him a job. Maybe. I don't know. Fitted for a suit and haircut and yes. looking sharp. Right. Took Sally yeah. to dinner. Nice. Yeah. So I, I went down. It was on Redwood Street. R.G. Hovelman. Yeah. Uh, they handled the Volkswagen account. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Big account. Volkswagen North America. Everything coming in was... Yep. was handled through this company and uh, uh, even Porsche was handled. So I, did, I interviewed and they said, okay, great. How old were you? Mm, 22. Really? Maybe. 21. Yeah. You yeah. can fact check that, Susan. <laughs> uh, and they said, great, we're going to start right away. This is awesome. Right. Good money. I'm in an office setting. Yeah. yeah. Good money. More money than I ever made. Right. I think it was like 7500 a year. Really? It's good money. Well, it's like good money then. Yeah. Good money then. So um, I thought, man, this is awesome. And, and I'm working in an office setting. And I got my desk and chair. and Moving up. Moving up. I tell, my own telephone. <laughs> so the supervisor says, show up, uh, you know, start right away, come in, we'll put you right to work. But did he tell you what the job entailed? Not really. Oh. I didn't really ask. You just knew. I was just, just excited to, to yeah. be accepted into, into that fraternity. Sure. So I came in, I had my, I had my tie on, my suit, I was looking good, looking good, I even shaved. I came in and I, I his name was Ray, my supervisor. And, and I went over to him and, and said, good morning, I'm ready to start. He goes, he looks at me, very strange. He goes, why are you wearing a suit? <laughs> I'm like, I thought I was doing sales. He goes, you're not doing sales, you're a messenger. Oh. He goes, run all the documents around. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you're running the documents around the city for us. All the steamship lines, all the different places. This is a fun job, actually. Yeah, he goes, you're, you're over there. You're over there in the mail room. Right. That's where you're starting. But you didn't have a desk, or did you? No. Oh. I thought I had a desk yeah. because I was sitting at a desk. When I was getting interviewed, I thought, well, it's my desk. I never worked in an office before. Clarity is power. Room. However, if you would have known that it would have been the mail room, you probably wouldn't have. I probably would have said, yeah, not for me. I'm not doing this. Yeah. But, you know, at that point in time, I was like, well, I got to give it a shot. Maybe yeah. There's an opportunity here for me. You know, maybe there's, you know, something I can make of myself with this. And I can, I can maybe move forward and figure out what this is all about. I had no idea. Yeah. I just knew people were streaming on the phone. And <laughs> paper was flying all over the place. And, uh, but that, that kind of environment excited me. And that may be one reason why I stayed. Well, it's a, it's a fast pace. I mean, I, obviously, I grew up in the shipping business. Fast I pace. know it, like, until I, until I was 30 years old. That's all I knew. And it is very fast paced, and it is very intense. And, and a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. You're talking about people's goods that you're not shipping, you know, you're not shipping cables that people don't need. need. You know, we're shipping stuff like, these are cars. This has a, this has a shelf life on it yeah. before the next model comes out, before dealers have to get this thing right. a lot to sell. Or tree tail, it's got to get to the store. Right. You know, it's, it's perishable. It's, a, it's perishable. It's 
it's crab meat. It's got to go to the restaurants. We can't right. play with this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Right. So I kind of, I kind of uh, fed on that environment. You want to keep going? Or? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll wrap at. Um, we'll wrap this story and then we'll okay. pick, we'll pick up because this is your, this is your uh, your entrance into the shipping business, which you ran for the next thirty years. Yes. You think about it. Ran or done not more. No, I'm still more than that. Yeah, almost. almost <laughs> actually, almost fifty years. No, yeah, forty between forty and fifty years, and we'll calculate. This that. was nineteen seventy six. Yeah, that's when I started. Yeah, um, and I think I got my license in '83. Well, I want you to talk about that, but the getting a license and becoming a licensed customs broker. I want you to let's save that for the next one. Yeah, we, we have some good jump. We have some good nuggets, and I've been taking a lot of notes. Yeah, yeah. So um, on the on like so this episode. This episode was a transition period episode where you're transitioning in life, you're understanding where a little bit more about yourself. I don't, I don't think we all, we, we truly know about ourselves until, I don't know, until the end, but maybe even we don't find out at that point, but you're transitioning as who you are, your purpose, your position in life, your value. And that's really applicable to a lot of people who are listening because they don't, a lot of people just go through life. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't yeah. know why they're doing it. They don't yeah. know their purpose. I mean, one of the big things that we do both in our coaching business and our front runner events and our mastermind is, you know, I'm looking at my board here. Like we have a huge program and exercise to take people through finding your mission and purpose in life and identifying it. What's interesting though, if you look at this timeline, you're not going to look and go, okay, my absolute purpose is mm -hmm. your purpose is in segments. Yeah. And it's along the evolving way. and it's always evolving until you don't want it to evolve any further. Right. And then your purpose is stuck right there. Um, and it's not because you can't evolve further. It's because your brain's telling you, you don't want to go any further. That's right. Yeah. And you're being influenced by the outside environment. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Which most people are influenced yes. by the outside environment or by situations they got themselves into and they, and they, you know, if they had a kid too young or if they got a job that they're kind of stuck in, it's great money, but they hated it. Their choices affect But them. then that little, little, that little, little thing comes in called fear. Yep. Something happens. This is, again, outside environment. Something right. happens in the outside environment, and then the fear takes over. Yeah. And then when the fear takes over, you're paralyzed, and you can't move further. And then you're done. You basically have given up. Right. And then you're sitting there going, I hate this. Right. But it's okay, because you'll start to justify. I have a lot of coaching clients, they'll say when they first join is, I hate it, I don't love my life, but I make a good, a good living, and I have benefits, and I have some paid time off, and I get to go on some cool vacations with the job. And so they start to justify and live within that world, not create right. the world that they truly want. And right. all you're gonna have at the end is regrets. Yes, tons of regrets. Uh, I was never really anyone to, um, I know this now, I was never built to work for somebody. Right. I never was. I don't think you are either. Mm -hmm. I just. I well, except for you. 
I don't like people telling me yeah. who, who don't know. And there's a lot of that in, in my business. Yep. I don't like people telling me who don't know what to do. Right. And I want to control, I want to control my own destiny. Yep. And if you want to control your own destiny, then you have to get out of that box. And you've got, you've got to take away the ifs. Fear is paralyzing. Right. You got to get rid of that. You got to deal with that and get rid of that fear. You can't live in the past. What happened in the past is the past is gone. We're not saying forget about it. Right. But move forward from it. Yep. Can't compare yourself to others, which is what you always have told me, which is something that has paralyzed me before. And I'm sure a lot of other people too, you included, like seeing what other people have or what they do or what they're like and comparing yourself, not modeling, but comparing yourself to them is a death sentence. I think the biggest mistake I've seen in business with people is you you begin to live somebody else's life. Yeah. How they see you, that's how you begin to live. Right. And now you're stuck. There's a cycle. What do they think about me? What if I say the wrong thing? Yep. What if I don't do the right thing? What if I don't dress right? Then you're stuck. Yep. And, and maybe for some of you, it's probably going to sound hard ass, which you can't live that way. You can't though, but people do. Well, you they have, do, they I have, have all the time, yeah. all the time. They do all the time. You have to figure out how to break through that. Yes. You have to figure out how to break through that. And this is a, this is a perfect, it's a perfect segue into like, none, none of these episodes are sponsored. This is just what I do for a living. Coaching, high level coaching, life coaching, mindset coaching, personal performance mastery coaching. And then our life, there are our front runner events, which are you know three and four day events, some some one day, that take you through a very 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 concentrated and purposeful journey of creating a life that you truly want. And that's like if you don't have that, if there are things that we said today that remind you of your life, and you're you're just you are in a position where you want to change and you just don't know how, or you just don't know who to go to. Well, you got us. And between. All of us here, my dad, my wife, my mom, like everybody's got, and, and, uh, and Aaron, everybody's got your back and we can help you through things. So if you, if you feel like you were touched and inspired in some way and you just want some more answers or some more clarity, we're not going to bite. You know, people who are on purpose take action. Meredith says it every episode. People who are on purpose take action. So hit up the website. It'll be in the show notes, ianlobos.com forward slash apply. And book a call with us. It's not going to hurt anything. You're just going to, I can guarantee you're going to gain some knowledge. You're going to gain some insight about your life and about some things you can do to get some shifts going. It's small incremental shifts that will add up to the big ones. So it'll be in the show notes. You can go to mentalpurposepodcast.com or main main website is is our website, ianlobos.com forward slash apply and book a call and just Tell us what's going on in your life and how we might be able to help you change it. It's super easy. Or you can go to the website and sign up for one of our front runner events, which you know, we've got one coming in December, which is a one day. We've got one coming up in January, which is a four day event. I'm going to tell you right now, these are mind blowing events, not only because I help host them, but because I, I'm the guy responsible along with Aaron to making sure these are transformational events. So if you're looking for something that ships your life in the four days, we got you. 
Our mission is to make sure that that weekend that you come to, that is the shift point that you'll look back in 50 years and go, those guys and that event, that's where my life changed. That's our mission, and we're guaranteeing that. You put in the work, we got you on it. So that wraps up our episode. Next time, we're going to talk about basically getting into the shipping business and then like working for them, working for the next company, and then eventually starting your own business, which this is when things are going to get real juicy when it comes to fear and success. And yes. Faking it until you're making it. And you sort of, yeah. You don't want to miss this one. No, so that'll be, this is episode two. So keep coming back. The, the Dad Chronicles. This is episode two. You'll be listening to episode. Um, don't, you know, just, just, just keep coming back. And then, like I said, reach out if, you, if something spikes you and you want to have a chat. Let's go. Let's do it. Thanks for being here, Dad. Here in my studio. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, everybody, thank you for listening. I really appreciate all the all the, the emails and the texts and the correspondence you guys have been reaching out to me, uh, especially since we started changing, really changing the format and making it very purposeful. And and having my dad on and having really high level guests and having Meredith on and the episodes that Aaron and I are doing together, we see that it's working because you're reaching out. So thank you so much for doing that. Thanks for downloading. Our numbers are off the charts. We're doing really well and we love this. I mean, it's, it's, it's as authentic as we can get it because this is us. This is what we love to do. Yeah. Love to share. I love to hear from you. Yeah. So, um, thanks for being here, dad. And, uh, we'll have another episode in December. Yeah. So this episode is going to air on the 30th and we'll have another episode in December. And then just keep this thing rolling. Yeah, you might come back for this episode. Yeah. And it gets really, uh, gets, there's a lot of drama. All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, Visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.